Left. Right. Over the last couple of decades, therapy has grown in popularity. Once something that was taboo to talk about in public is now public conversation. People are sharing publicly that they are in therapy. They're not just sharing the fact that they're in therapy. They're sharing the conversations that they're having in therapy. However, this conversation we're having tonight is going to be a case against therapy. Is all therapy good? Or is there some therapy that just may not be good at all? A self-serving, uh, business perpetuating type of therapy. Well, we'll get there. I hope you listen on. If you have not already subscribed to this podcast, it allows us to get a real feel for how many people watch this show. And you know what? We appreciate if you subscribe and don't watch. It still makes us feel good. So if you don't mind hitting that subscribe button and uh, following this podcast, I would be greatly appreciative. Thank you and see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. That means I can finally take a sip of this drink. My name is Justin Julio, joined by James, the Bosinator Boswell, philosopher, philanderer, philanthropist, philatelist. He is a man of many PHs. And this is Sip Talk, episode 228. Today we are uh, discussing therapy and potentially a case against therapy. James, how are things hanging down there in sunny South Carolina? Well, things are fine down here. Been rainy. Um, but October is a great month in South Carolina because, like, it's no longer balls hot outside every day. I, uh, I, <laughs> I completely agree. October is a nice month uh, up here in New York and New Jersey because uh, it's also not crazy hot and it's not cold enough that you got to wear winter jackets and things. So there's, I wore a jacket yesterday. I haven't worn, you know, I wore like two weeks so far this year. So it's nice to just be able to wear a lightweight jacket. Um, a question for you. You, uh, I don't know if you get this down there, but I we've had a lot of bees coming into the house, like by no? the that's why my the only thing I can think of is the bees are kind of finding some way into the house. They're actually they're they're burrowing holes, these perfect circles, about the size of a little smaller than the size of a dime, and uh, and they're, I don't know if they're nesting into the wood, into the wood. Yeah, I yeah, that's not good. There's two hundred one. I heard it referred to as carpenter bees and and. Some other type of, of bees. It's really a, a wild phenomenon. And uh, I've never seen bees come from the outside into the inside. And we haven't had a lot of bees nests around the house. So it's, it's, well, and I would imagine you don't really want dime-sized holes all over your siding. No, I, I went and I filled a bunch of them with, uh, with caulk and then smoothed it over. I figured caulk was kind of rubbery and um, they're not going to they're not gonna get through that. Um, uh, in other news... So sorry, I just figured I'd share the. I'm on the topic of October, I thought I'd share the bees thing with you. I don't know, because uh, that's what everybody thinks about in October. Is like, you know what, October? That's the bees month. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen again. I've only only been in, in New Jersey for uh, uh, a couple of years. So it's the first time this happened. Um, you know, being a homeowner uh, and things like that. Uh, but speaking of the homeowner situation and being this is sip talk, 
you know, I'm building this bar in the basement. You came over, you saw the bar. I was waiting to, to for the top. So I finally decided I'm going to build the top out of wood, give this nice old Irish bar type uh, finish where you can just you know put your glass right on it, slam it down. It's not going to crack like it was going to be marble. Um, and I, I got a, a draft, a tap for the top of the bar. So I drilled the holes in the bar. I've got a couple of refrigerators underneath the bar. I was going to turn one of these refrigerators into a refrigerator for a keg, which I'm not mounting the draft to the top of the refrigerator, but I am drilling holes through the So you're going to have to run lines. I had to run lines. So I looked at the refrigerator, I pulled it out, and uh, trying to figure out the best place to drill some holes in the refrigerator, I decided I'd go through the side of the refrigerator. All right, seems like a safe place. I'm not going through the back end of the refrigerator. The side seems pretty good. So I had a, I had a drill bit. And I went through it was about an inch drill bit, went through perfect. I said, oh, this is great. I went to feed one of the lines through. It just barely didn't fit. So I said, you know what? Let me drill one more hole side by side. I'll feed both of the lines through here. And uh, the second that drill bit pierced the side of the refrigerator, I just heard, and uh, I must have hit a coolant line. <laughs> and all this pressurized Freon started, which apparently is toxic and flammable. So... Uh, is it also inflammable? Uh, it, I don't believe it's inflammable, but it, but it may be. Who knows? I didn't try. If it's to flammable, then it's inflammable. I didn't try to light it on fire. Um, so so maybe you should have looked at like some diagnostics or some specs to figure out where to drill this hole. Yeah, well, I actually I ended up having to buy another refrigerator. I reached out to the manufacturer asking them uh, about the you know the, the specs and and what I said. I understand I'm going to be voiding the warranty. I'm not looking for for any direction there. I just want to know kind of where the the lines are, where the electrical is for the for the interior light, so I don't drill through that stuff. Um, so, but look, uh, you know that's enough about me. I feel like you've been really quiet, James. We haven't been doing a lot of talking. Is there anything you'd like to share? I mean, I've got a rant that I could go on, but it's really niche. Uh, is it something that's been getting to you lately? Is it something you'd like to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess we're just going to segue straight into the... Here's what I will say. I was trying to segue. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, One of my struggles in life has been with the notion of stubbornness. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> Where like, I, I think you would acknowledge this because most people do. I'm one of the most stubborn people I've ever met. Okay. Now, would you consider that a positive quality? Well, Actually, let me, let me, let, let me hold the conversation like a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me more about that. Well, I think by definition, if you're a stubborn person, you have to view it as a positive quality stubbornly. All right, tell me more about that. Well, I, I'm not going to. It's <laughs> like, so I see you're holding your ground. Why is that? Well, did I tell you that I'm stubborn? <laughs> but, so there are some people that are just not susceptible to therapy, by the way. This is one of my biggest qualms with therapy is there are a lot of really bad therapists out there that, that I just feel like are, are just kind of milking a paycheck and not inter interested in in really helping people. And, and they may have their own theories about how they are helping those people, but there's different types of therapy also. We're not going to get well, some... You know what? Here's, here's one of the reasons why I don't respect therapy. Now, this is like... 
Now, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, like, if you out there listening find value in therapy, that's all good. This is a personal, this is a personal vendetta of mine. I'm not trying to tell people not to go to therapy if it's right for you. However, <laughs> so this episode may piss you off, especially if you, if you love therapy, that's our disclaimer. As, <laughs> as James and I understand most episodes, we come with a certain bias because of our, our backgrounds. And, you know, you, you, if you're listening to this podcast, this is going to be about as biased as I get here. Well, look, you know, everybody missed the episode about the writers and actors strike um, because we didn't do it. So this is what we missed it, too. <laughs> we missed it, too. So now you're here. Now you're listening to our, our, our thoughts on therapy. And I think I, I, I don't think either one of us is bashing therapy for certain people. Um, also, I'm about to bash therapy in general. And, and also, if you feel that you need therapy, there's a, there's a problem. If you feel that you need therapy, then there's then you probably do. Yeah, like go ahead and go to therapy. This is not sip talk telling you not to, despite what I'm about to say. We are going to share our our beliefs around therapy. So, uh, go ahead. So, item number one is. And maybe this is just the way it's depicted in media, but like it feels really lazy because all you have is like a nicely furnished office with comfortable furniture and you sit there and you just say, well, how did that make you feel? <laughs> and then you wait two or three minutes and then you listen to what they have to say find one or two sentences, isolate them and say, well, how did that make you feel? And you repeat this for an hour and you get paid like 200 bucks. Well, that's, and that is, that is the weakest element of therapy. And, and again, that's a whole sect of therapy, letting the own person, the, the, one's own self kind of solve their own problems by self-analyzing. You're just kind of giving them this guided self-analysis, but you are, you are not able to say, you know what, you, that is a problem. Thank you for sharing the information. Here's what I think you should do. Right? You're not giving that person any any actual direction. You're letting them figure it out and trying not to bias them in, in any way. Yeah, and I, I can tell you, like, and, and apparently this is kind of like a, a big difference between men and women in general, is like I had I had a roommate a couple years ago and he would come home from work and he would talk about something that happened at work that he didn't like. And sometimes he would talk about the same thing like two or three days in a row or whatever. So and you were his you were his therapist. In a way, yes. But he would talk about whatever was bothering him and I was just like, dude, you need to stop complaining about this. Either do something about it or shut up. Like for me, anytime someone expresses a problem that they're going through, my mind is always racing through potential solutions. And, you know, as they talk more, that list gets narrower because I have more information. But anytime someone talks about like a negative experience, my mind immediately goes to, okay, what can be done about it? Like, I don't really care how you feel. I say, like, how about we come up with something that you can do so that you don't have to feel this way? And, so like, we don't have to care talk, about how you feel because it no longer exists. Rather than talk about your problem and about how you feel about your problem, let's talk about solving your problem. 
and potential solutions. However, and I suppose this may work against you if you are a therapist, that you're creating a shorter therapy journey for that person. And when you're, when you're, when your income is based off of billable hours, there are fewer billable hours. Yeah. I mean, you can think about it like this, like the world's best therapist would go out of business very quickly. <laughs> exactly. If, if, if your goal is to help people solve their problems, then if you're good at it, it's like a mechanic, you know, if you can fix a problem really quick, then you're not, if you're getting paid by the hour, then you're not doing yourself much, much good. Yeah. Like if you think about the idealized therapist, every person that walks into their office comes out with their problem solved, they'd be broke. So let me ask you this. Where do you, you get a lot of notes here. Let me ask you this. Where do you want to go from here? Should we talk about types of therapy or you want to talk about your thoughts on why women are more likely to use therapy and benefit from therapy. And so, uh, I mean, I kind of want to selfishly, I want to talk about my stuff because <laughs> so this is, this there's, there's opinions therapy. and there's this opinions and stuff that like we can argue about, or maybe like our, our viewer could argue with, uh, with us about because like just talking about the different types of therapy, I think might be a little dry. Whereas this is going to be a topic of debate. Well, um, this episode, episode two twenty eight, is going to be the introductory episode to our our bar trivia. I've got a good I've got a good trivia question. So if we get too dry uh, about about halfway through the episode, I am going to drop a a trivia question. So don't let me forget. This is just this is my reminder to remind you to remind me. So I'll remember. Okay. And remind me of something at the end of the episode that goes along with the bar trivia. If I remember, I'll remind you. Otherwise, just remind me and I'll let you know. Good. All right. Cool. So a lot of this is inspired by a video I, I saw on YouTube by um, a clinical psychiatrist. And the video's title is Why Therapy Sucks for Men. Okay. Do you, do you want to shout out the, the clinical psychologist's name? I don't remember it. Lost it. All right. Well, I mean, I can find it. But... All right. Uh, so why does therapy suck for men? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to immediately go out of order from my notes. But yeah. like the, the, probably the biggest one is that men are just socialized to not talk about their feelings. You and I have some different beliefs on this. Because I believe that a that a man should be stoic, and he should hide his feelings, and he shouldn't publicly display his feelings, and that crying isn't a very masculine thing to do, and that there are aspects of stoicism that that would carry over to this that you wouldn't that you wouldn't be wanting to express your emotions outwardly, um, and be seeking help. So you know what's funny is. While I would probably say, like, the the viewpoint that you just expressed, that things shouldn't be that way, if you look at the way I actually live my life, it actually lines up very closely yeah. to what you're... Yeah, even though you would argue my point, you do kind of live more the stoic. You, you, you don't go out in the soccer field and, and the other point, the other team wins and you're crying at the end because you tried really hard that season. That's not you. But, yeah. but again, men, but you're right. Men are not, 
And, and I believe this is a good thing. Many, many people, especially women, but, not, but, but I'd say maybe, maybe only 40% of men, uh, but a lot of women think that it's, it's good for men to be in touch with their emotions and, and just expressing their emotions. When I don't think that's a good thing. I was literally just listening to a podcast on, on my drive home about how basically being polite and being straightforward. And some people believe that it is polite to be straightforward. Um, and that's that, so regional. And that it is re regional. Because if you look at like Europe, for example, you would be reserved. If you didn't like someone's cooking, you wouldn't say, oh, no, thanks. I, I really don't like it. I this. just think about the South versus New York City. Uh, well, in, in, in what sense? That, that people in New York are much more forward. And what comes off as rude in the South is damn near polite in New York City. <laughs> and that's like, so, so but the southern the southern side would be the more reserved. Yes. And and the less honest. And, and uh, arguably. I was thinking uh but almost but it's almost deceiving. And that's and that's where it flipped. The podcast I was story. listening the, hang on, the podcast I was listening to was just saying that something flipped where we now looked at people being reserved and polite as they're thinking one thing but acting another way and that's deceptive. Right. And so a couple years ago I was up in New York City visiting you and we're up at a bar in Harlem and like I you were off doing your own thing. I went and sat down next to a chick at the bar and I started talking to her and like 90 seconds in she says I'm not really sure what you're looking for tonight, but it, it's not going to happen. And I was like, great. Awesome. <laughs> the like, way that your brain works, you were a happy guy because you're like, all right, you didn't lead me on. Right. I was like, you just saved me 20 minutes and $20 at the minimum. Like, I could, I, like, there's lots of other people that I could talk to in this bar. Like, you're, yeah. you're now eliminated. That's cool. Whereas, like, in the South, like, People are gonna are too polite to say that. So you could be talking up like this chick, and she's not interested in you at all. But she's gonna keep on talking to you and keep on being polite because it's rude to say something like that to somebody in the South. Whereas in New York City, that's just how they operate. It was great. But but I so I think it's great also, and I like that New York aspect. However, I do believe in being reserved, oftentimes, and not just being straightforward with how I think or how I feel. And that may also change after a few drinks. All right. But, so, what's your what's, what's your take of that that short story? Uh, I I think I think it was great, and I think, but but that would be on the more masculine side of 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 that equation. If we want to if we want to assign a, a gender role for for that situation, which we literally just did a podcast episode about this. Oh yeah. Uh, but but I think I think most people would argue that men are socialized not to talk so much about their feelings. There's just a comment here on TikTok that says, I'm gay and I don't show my feelings. Uh, not masculine. You're right. And and I assume he's a more masculine gay man. I think that there's a word for that probably, but I don't know all these things. Um, but I think that we've been pushing men for the last 15 years to be more in touch with their, with their feelings. You know, it's one thing you know, for like a, a, a newscaster, I think to his, his voice to crack a little bit when, uh, you know, when talking about like uh, a school shooting or something, which nobody's voice is cracking about at all anymore. It's just regular, regular case. But 20 years ago, 
uh, for you know news reporter to be covering it and, and get a little caught up. But now I feel like the, it, it's almost expected that you know they want a, a man to be weeping almost. I I, I feel like the, yeah, I think that's going a little far. I don't know. It, it's it's very strange to me. Uh, um, but but women traditionally are more in touch with their feelings and having a conversation that about your feelings that you are paying to do so to me would trend more uh feminine and and your stats here are roughly 60 to 70 percent of therapy patients are women and also it's almost the exact same ratio of therapists that it's about two-thirds of therapy patients are women and about two-thirds of therapists are also women. I want to hit this comment real quick. Yeah. Um, Sasha says, men are killing themselves at way higher rates than women. So if y'all are not going to do therapy, at least talk more with close friends and family. So there's there's some inter- there's uh, an interesting thing about like suicide statistics is that women are more likely to attempt suicide. Men are more likely to like successfully execute the suicide. Like women have more failed suicide attempts than men. Yeah. It, but, but, but so uh, again, we're breaking down statistics by uh, men and women. But, you know, if you think about, and, th- and they've, they've done studies, I think somewhere uh, near like Sweden or, or Finland or something, they, they've, they've looked at the stats of uh, the number of men or women that go into healthcare, the number of men or women that go into construction, and men will trend towards uh, construction and maths and sciences, and women tend to go more towards nursing, and particularly this field, which you just said, two-thirds of the customers, the patients, are women, and two-thirds of the providers are women, which, uh, to me... uh, So, I want to, actually, since we're talking about this, I want to talk, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about another reason why men don't want to go to therapy, and this is some, like, and, which is, even, even with one-third of the profession being made up of men, like, You've got an industry that in a lot of ways in its modern iteration is kind of created by and designed for women. So men feel like going to therapy is automatically going into a female space. Well, if we have socialized men to not be in touch with their emotions and women are in touch with their emotions, they are effectively going into a dangerous place for them. They're going into a dangerous place where they don't have the tools to navigate. And it's also like, you might also ask, is expressing emotion as valuable to men as it is to women? And maybe the way that therapy, maybe the type of therapy that works for women won't work for men. It's women in the video that you're talking about, which I listened to the other night. Uh, he, he talked about how it's so difficult for men even to give compliments to their friends, which is true. 
And I, you know, I was thinking about it. I don't remember if we if we talked about this in the last episode or not, or if we talked about it off air. But we have a mutual friend, and him and I ran into someone that we used to know. And she, by different metrics, wasn't doing, uh, in my opinion, as well as he was. And I'm sure on some metrics that I don't know about, she may be doing better. But I wanted to give him a compliment afterwards and say, hey, man, you know, I, this is somebody uh, you used to know. And I just want to say, man, I'm really proud of you where you are in life. It, it gave me that that interaction gave me some perspective. And I want to say, hey, you, you know, just call it out, let you know you're, you're doing pretty good. And I'm proud of you. Uh, I struggled with that for a week. How to, <laughs> to find an opportunity to say it. And then I tried to say it. And it just came out fucking wrong. It, it, it was and it was really weird because Whereas women say that shit to each other all the time but we're just not equipped with that language on call so you know being somebody who does sales training in my office i sent a text message out because communication for me is very important uh, i sent i sent a text message out I, I played with the words a little bit and i explained in the message something along the lines of i'm teaching you these sales tactics it's not important that you know them and that you're in, they're in your brain so that you're aware of them, but you, you need to know them and it has to be front of mind. So even though you went to this class, the sales class I'm about to give last month, it's a really good idea to also come back this month because it will be reinforced when you're learning these sales tactics. So when that scenario arises, it's more likely to be in the front of your mind. So you can just say those words. Now, men, when it, comes to conversation around emotions they don't have these the they don't have the language verbalized in the front of their brain it's just feelings and it's very difficult oftentimes to articulate a feeling i'd say the only area that men are really good at complimenting each other on is like tangible accomplishments and i'll give an easy example like i play in this pool league and if one of my teammates plays a good match and wins, I can say, hey, man, you played really well at like, that game. Good win. That's easy to say. That, yeah, fair enough. But that's, that is a... And anything along the lines of that. Someone got a promotion, congrats on the new job. It's something like that. That's easy to say. Let me ask you about this because we're talking about statistics. And I deal with this a reasonable amount as a real estate agent. Um number of men versus number of women who have therapy pets or well, not pets, therapy animals, emotional support animals. What, what would you think that that would be? Do you have the number? Uh, I have my experience. Do you have a number to put to it? I don't have a number, but I can tell you from having been doing this for well over a decade that I can't think. My of, bet is that the ratio is probably three or four to one. I can't think of a male client that had an emotional support animal. I can think of even even I had a male client with an animal and he was moving in with his girlfriend. And then I was like, oh, it's not going to be allowed unless it's an emotional sport animal. And he said, oh, actually, it's my girlfriend's and it's her emotional sport animal. Here's the paperwork. So uh, but I was, well, it's also like I think even if even if the pet is an emotional support animal for a man, no man's going to say that. Well, <laughs> I have very mixed feel, and I'll get slaughtered for this uh, because I, I probably shouldn't even say it on air. But I, I have 
mixed feelings on emotional support animals. Because my question is, emotional support animals are relatively new. Yep. So it's different than like a service dog that's trained to perform a task for someone who has a disability. Yes. Emotional support is you get nervous on planes, so you fly with your with your pet, you with your dog. But it's more likely a pet. It's more a pet in the sense of pet is in the sense that it's not a trained animal. Right. An emotional support animal isn't trained to do something. Like a true service animal does things for its owner that actually help. Yeah. And, it sense when you're having, when you're about to have a, 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 not a stroke, a seizure or is able to help you get, put your shoes on or help you feed yourself and things. All things, sorts of things like, or, or navigate for, for blind people. But my, here's my question. What, what were people doing 20 years ago before these uh, emotional support animals became, and I'm not attacking them. I wouldn't get emotional support animal because it would just to me seem like more work. Um, and I don't need that distraction, but what were people doing before emotional support animals? Xanax. Do you think at the rate, at the rate that, that they're using emotional support animals now? No, they're still using Xanax pretty hard um, too. But uh, let me, let me just backtrack a little bit. All I'm really saying is that emotional support animals, to my experience, not service animals, but emotional support animals, have trended towards more women. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I wonder if I wonder if emotional support animals are more prescribed or more requested. I mean, I could almost get. There, there's, there, I don't think they're prescribed. You can have like a a service animal prescribed, sure. but. Emotional support animals, there, there's not like a medical thing about them. That's just like maybe maybe a therapist would recommend it, but like in terms of an actual medical recommendation, like like Adderall. I imagine probably 50% of people who are on Adderall go in requesting, I want Adderall. Whereas the other 50% are like, hey, I'm, you know, I can't focus, my job's, you know, I can't study. They're like, we're going to prescribe you something. And they prescribe Adderall. Right, like that would be my guess, roughly fifty-fifty. I don't. I have no idea. You know, I I don't know either. But um, but I just imagine emotional support would be kind of like marijuana. People who have legal a mar legal marijuana card, I would imagine the majority of them are going to a doctor. I mean, there's a lot of like sales funnels for marijuana retailers that are like, "Here's our doctor, <laughs> just talk." Oh yeah, <laughs> which is which is. Awesome, just the way. Well, that, it's just it's, I mean, not awesome. It's a like loophole to a stupid system. Right? It's a it's an awesome loophole in the sense, awesome like it's just kind of jaw dropping that, like we just have this gaping loophole, and not that it's that bad of a thing. It's just it's a funny thing to me. All right, so Sasha says it's a scam for entitled assholes who want to bring their pet pigs and peacocks on vacation, and well, to a large degree, I I, I agree. Well, the, yeah, the like, pet pig and the pet peacock, yeah, it is. Yo, I I heard about this. Um, like so it, it's emotional support animals are a nightmare for airlines to deal with and i i, I heard a story like because they first of all they can be practically any animal and so i someone talked about how like someone had an emotional support tarantula on an airplane and i'm just like i'm phobic of spiders like I, i'm not getting on on that airplane that would like, do more trauma to the other passengers of the airplane yeah and that's like some Marilyn Manson like shit. That, like that situation of me being seated next to somebody who has a tarantula hasn't happened. But there was one time that I was like the like the second to last person to get on a plane, and like there were two seats. There was one that was the absolute front row, and there was this lady that had a dog with her. And I was like, I'm not sitting next to a dog. 
I don't like. I, I didn't book a ticket to to like with a passenger as a dog next to me. I'm not doing that. Like, well, your only other seat is in the absolute last row next to the bathroom. I said, I'll take that. Yeah, I don't want to like. Because it it, it, it it wasn't wearing like the service dog vest. It wasn't a, it wasn't a surface dog. It was a pet. So so why have we seen such an uprise? I mean, again, I, it's really important that I preface this point with I'm not, you know, the, the title of this episode is a case against therapy, question mark. Okay. Not a case against therapy, a case against uh, therapy, question mark. I'm but, adding the exclamation point. <laughs> why is it that we've seen such an uprise in therapy, such an uprise in, in, in therapy and emotional support animals? Such such an uprise in we want you to be open about your emotions. We want uh, this public conversation about emotions. Women are looking for men that are in touch with their emotions, even though I definitely don't think that's a turn on. I think that's like this fairy tale thing where like every girl wants a nice guy, but when they meet a nice guy, they just kind of walk over them. It's boring. Yeah, put them in a friend zone, whereas really they end up being, despite what they tell you, end up being attracted to the asshole. Yeah, that's that's a paradox that we still haven't resolved. But but I, but but why are we? But here, if we saw a sudden trend and uprise in women being attracted to soft body men who uh, are really really nice and get walked all over, I haven't well, seen that happen yet. I mean, I have seen. Let but, me let me respond I to your seen, first I question seen, of like, hands, why are we seeing? I mean, I, I have seen women attracted to less masculine men lately. Where you yeah, see, yeah, but that's men, different. That's just physical appearance. Men wearing bracelets, men with ponytails, uh, things like that. I've seen. I, mean, it, I don't get the ponytail thing, but I've seen an uprise in that. But I haven't. But I, a lot of those guys, I also think are assholes. So, uh, but I haven't. I haven't seen that swing yet. But I've seen that women say they want these more emotional available. Man, and again, we're speaking as straight people because I don't have that background in uh, in, in the homosexual or, or non-binary relationship. Um, I don't know that. I mean, so why are we seeing a bigger push for therapy right now? Well, I think in to to varying degrees, like depends on what study. Like the the trend's always positive. It's just how positive is it? Is you look at like the incidence rates of various mental health disorders and over the last 20 years they've gone way up and well, like one person asked this is a post on reddit from a long time ago asking like and it's basically targeted to our generation people almost exactly our age of saying like why do you guys have like so much anxiety and depression and the answer was like when i was 15 years old I watched 3,000 people die on live television, and the world hasn't gotten any better since. That's where I was going to go, is that in our news cycle, we're seeing a, seeing a lot more fear-mongering. We're seeing a lot more sensationalized incidents. And we're also just seeing a, a hell of a lot more, right? Well, we're seeing visually a lot more shit that's going on. We're seeing every single day stores being robbed, People being mugged at gunpoint. You didn't used to see that because not everybody had a phone out. Not everybody had a ring doorbell cam. Not every store had uh, closed circuit television. 
Right. That wasn't that, and, and CCTV isn't even CCTV anymore. Now it's just a kind of open. Yeah. Run, well, so. you know what's a fun, you know what's a, a fun uh, just aside on this one. Everyone has a phone. Every store's got cameras in it. There's Thank cameras. You. Everything's recorded. You know what we haven't gotten a recording of yet? Aliens. Aliens or ghosts. Or ghosts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew this where you were going with it. Um, uh, but, uh, I think the other thing is, and I, I, I that's a good that's a good case for therapy going up. Don't uh, we're again yeah, yeah. Like, think, against therapy? Question mark. I, I use the t like the the term like the diasporatic nature of our social fabric, which is we have. And, and I blame social media for this because I blame social media for a lot of things. But we have fewer close relationships uh -huh. and many, many acquaintances or whatever is less than acquaintances where we don't ever like we may know a tremendous amount, a number of people, but we're not close to any of them. And so... It's really hard, like when when you need to just like have a talk with somebody. Like, like therapy is taking the place of those close friendships that used to exist. So yeah, you you are one hundred percent correct that the the close friendships, the person that you could share your most intimate thoughts or, or situations that you're in, those relationships are gone. I was listening to a, a, a podcast last night. Uh, about how like four and five men or, or some crazy number say they don't have a best friend or close friends. Uh, just this this whole line of statistics basically saying showing you how much relationships have eroded, especially on the on the on the side of men, right? That that yeah. attraction underneath the, the feet of men has uh, for being stoic and, and and having some grounding has really. Uh, and then they went on to talk about suicide statistics, things like that. Uh, I mean, I remember this, and you were a part of this, like about eight years ago. I had a really bad week in Charleston. Not going to go into the reasons as to why I had a bad week. How was that long ago? Yeah. Wow. All right. But, um, like, the one night I went up to a friend's place on the other side of town and just spent a night at his place and just had a number of beers and watched Mad Max. <laughs> and that helped a little bit, but like what helped more than anything else was me getting out of town and you were kind enough to pick me up from the airport and like kind of put me up for a couple of days. And I also went back up to Albany, but just like me getting out of town and spending time with people that I was close to, by the time my trip was up after four or five days and I came back to Charleston, I felt like I could face the world again. I wasn't thrilled, but I wasn't like in the low spot that I was that like if you were to kind of just like objectively observe you like this is a case for someone to go to therapy. I didn't need therapy. I just needed to be able to remove myself from the situation and be around people that understood me and were close to me. And I was able to get through it. No therapy. But the therapy was being around people that know me and being away from the situation that was causing me distress.
let's uh, let's take a break on that note. We'll get, <laughs> it's a rough note to take a break. I'm just I'm, I'm monitoring our time here, and I promised our first bar trivia, and uh, I'm going to challenge you on this one for next week, along with our viewer. Uh, and my mom. <laughs> so our entire audience, you, our viewer, and my mom. She might be the viewer. Uh, so uh, let me, uh, if you know, so I'm going to ask you that you don't Google this, all right, because that's not fair to you. And really, it's not fair to me, but I, I have the answer. I don't really care. Um, Did you Google it? Uh, I Googled the question. <laughs> Uh, I guess I should probably, I, I, I have a whole list of questions for subsequent episodes. A lot of them, I have not looked at the answers and a bunch of them, I know the answer already. So, so that's All right, cool. fire away. All right. What do these three words have in common? What makes them special? Polish, job, and herb. Don't answer it now. We're going to visit the answer. going to visit the answer next episode. The question is, what do these words have in common? Why are they special words? And the words are polish, job, and herb. Do you know the answer off the top of your head? No, I'm thinking about it. I've got a couple ideas, but I will give you I will give you one. Do you want a hint? It's not a giveaway. It's I don't a want a hint. All right, plug your ears. No. Uh, I'm giving you a hint anyways, and, and, and you don't need it. It's not going to help you much. The hint is write them down. Uh, on that note, that's the question. What do these three words have in common? Polished job and herb. Let's, uh, hold on. I want to, I want to bring up this point because like, because we're talking like men expressing emotion, everything. And like, this is me speaking from experience, but I bet that you probably feel similarly, which is like, I can't think of a single time in my life when I've expressed a vulnerable, vulnerable emotion and immediately thought like, this is going to be held against me at some point in the future. Wait, you, ha you haven't thought that? So you've been emotional and then thought? I, I can't think of a single time where I haven't thought that immediately afterwards. Oh. You follow me? Well, that's 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 the, a that's a male experience. That's the issue with being very emotional is that is that you're basically you're showing your cards, you're showing people how you feel, and I, to me, I would want to spend more time thinking and trying to problem solve than just emoting and displaying. Right. So you're you're circling around my like a. a a point that I make just before that in the list, which is like men view expressing emotion as just opening up avenues of weakness that others might be able to exploit in the future. You're giving people ammunition to use against you. Yep. And, and at this point, societally, it, it could be held to, to use against you. Uh, Depending, I think, yeah, we just want to hit some comments here. Uh, we got one here from Mike Pastilli saying, I, I thought it read, I got more essays in my building than people, but he said I have more ESAs. 
ESA is emotional support animal in my buildings. Uh, but we, we have seen in the real estate business, especially in New York City, a huge uprise in ESAs, emotional support animals. And it's just why they changed the laws recently that and, and now you can't ask why someone has an ESA, which I think is reasonable. But again, it feels like the. the well, it's just a loophole. It feels like the marijuana certificate. However, that even comes with stipulations just because you you are legally able to smoke marijuana doesn't mean you can smoke it inside right because other people have problems with it if you can smell it inside inside the building you're not allowed to smoke inside so um all right where are we where are you i want to talk about this as well because i want to see where you think what you think about this but like and i, I like I'm generalizing here from my own experience, but like in the video, the guy talks about how men view emotions fundamentally different from women. And like for men, emotions really exist as a call to action. An emotion is just saying, Hey, you need to be doing something. And that's something depends on the emotion. There's something wrong. There's something wrong here. I need to do something. or, Or there's something right here and I need to do something, but like emotions don't exist for themselves, for their own good. Emotions exist to signal to you, hey, do something. And I think women look at emotions as just like, oh, they're emotions. Whereas like men, I, I can't look at emotions that way. Like anytime I feel an emotion, I need to do something. I don't, but, you know, we're not having a public dialogue around emotions right now and and how to manage them in any way, shape, or form. It's you go to a therapist, which I think the majority of therapists are crap. I have friends in therapy. I ask them about the therapy sessions. The advice, they're not getting advice. They're not going anywhere in therapy. I have one friend I'm, I'm pretty sure has just been lying to his therapist about every aspect of his life. And I have seen through that very clearly. I can't imagine his therapist has also not been. Is this the person I'm thinking it would be? Um, I don't know. I don't want to call anybody out, uh, on this, on this topic, but, uh, I I feel like I'm being vague enough. All right. Well, there's a private chat option here, so, uh, I'll open that window. Um, We can talk about it off air. So, uh, I just want to, I, I, I searched the top reasons why people go to therapy. I just want to hit this list real quick. Okay. Well, some of it makes a lot of sense. And again, I don't want to build a case entirely against therapy, but here are the reasons. Addiction, anxiety and stress, confidence, self-esteem, support, depression, grief and loss, illnesses, phobias, relationship issues, wanting to better yourself in your life, feeling like you're overwhelmed, sexual issues, uh, and reaching a specific goal in life. I will tell you, I don't know a single person who has ever been to therapy for phobias. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Because uh, I, I, I could talk about this. <laughs> um but uh, addiction, anxiety, uh, confidence, self-esteem, depression, loss. Uh, I don't know anybody who's going to therapy who wants to better them, themselves. I well, like I think by definition, you're going to therapy to better yourself. Well, like I yeah, think that that, that encompasses everything. But you, you, not from a neutral plane, from a, from a negative place, you're going to better yourself. Yeah, but still- not, not from a, I'm okay, I'm going to go to therapy and make myself even better. Yeah. Um, All right, so the whole phobia thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't personally known anybody that's gone to therapy for phobias, but 
as I've talked about a number of times on this cast, like I have this paralyzing fear of spiders and every once in a while, somebody will be like, dude, this is really bad. You should go to therapy to deal with your arachnophobia. And my answer is no, <laughs> because, because you're stubborn. As we well, it, yeah. Um, but also, well, maybe you should go to therapy to deal with your stubbornness. No, the root of the problem here. But, the thing about it is, if I were to go to therapy for arachnophobia, you know what I would have to be around? Spiders. Fucking spiders. <laughs> like, I, I tell them, I'm just like, I, I know what the treatment for arachnophobia is. It's exposure therapy. And I view the cure as worse than the disease. I you will know, live with this. It would start as some talk therapy, some cognitive behavior therapy, then... And then maybe some light exposure, but maybe just to like yeah, they'd start with like pictures of spiders, and then like they'd have a spider in a room that you stand outside. Then you stand inside the room with the spider. Very slow, be a very slow process. Yeah, and I'm saying I'm not doing that. Like I, I, I've learned to live with it. I've made it this far. Not going any further. So, um, let me just hit some of the reasons why people don't go to therapy here. Because uh, these are good reasons. Also, real quick, just about the stubbornness. There's a, there, one of my favorite acts of vandalism ever. There's a billboard from like the you know, like Department of Health or something. And it says, um, making up a year. In 2017, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. And somebody spray painted on it. No, we won't. <laughs> But it was about like men being too stubborn to get like routine health checkups about like colon cancer or other crap. And but I'm just like I I identify with the vandal. <laughs> I'm starting to swing in that. I'm 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 getting to an age where I can't push my body as hard, and, and actually having health insurance might might make some sense. But here are some of the reasons why people don't go to therapy. Number one, speaking of health insurance, cost. Uh, in 2018, rough nearly 40. Uh, people, 40% of people cited that that the reason they didn't go uh, to therapy was for cost. Well, now, who can't afford $200 an hour? Yeah. <laughs> if you're lucky. Uh, next up is time. 20% of people cited time was not the reason. And, and, and if you can't make time to go to the gym, by the way, it's gonna, you're going to have a tough time finding time to go sit in therapy. By the way, we have not talked about exercise as a major cure-all, psychological, emotional, uh, oh, exercise is fantastic in practically every way. In, in, in almost everything, a little bit of exercise will bring you out of depression. Or bring, it, it's really, really good for you. It's brought me out of some, some tough places. Uh, stigma. And again, I don't think we have much of a stigma against therapy. these There days. used to be. I think that's we're, we're helping gone. We're helping to build one. I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> and we're not against therapy. Um, yeah. Like we're we're gigantic hypocrites on this cast because we started off saying like if you need to go to therapy go to therapy okay here's forty minutes of why therapy sucks next up next up is fear some people are afraid of therapy uh, in facing their fears and uh, sharing their secrets that would be you and spiders um, oh for sure other people cited therapy hours the times that they were free didn't align with the times therapists were free uh, other people cited therapist training. So they might not like how the therapist, and again, there are different modalities of therapy. Um, uh, and, and, and what the guy said in the video that I'd like you to shout this guy out. Could you pull that up? What uh, he, give me a sec. 
What he did say, though, was here are some ways that you can speak to your therapist so that you, you maybe I'm on the wrong podcast. He may not, not have said this. <laughs> this is a different this is a different uh, cognitive behavioral therapist. But uh, what he said was uh, what she said, and I will pull her name in just a minute, that you may need to meet with a couple of different therapists to find the one that is best for you. Any, any luck there? Yeah, the YouTube channel is Healthy Gamer GG, and the guy is Dr. K. Dr. K. Healthy Gamer what? Healthy Gamer GG. And it's Healthy Gamer is an online community and resource platform for gamers and their families. I don't know. like. So I, I think this is like a video that's being hosted by him. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the YouTube video is why therapy sucks for men. You mentioned this doctor. This is Dr. Tally Sharat. Okay. American, British, Israeli neuroscientist. And she was the one that said, you may need to, uh, visit several different therapists. And if you don't feel that it's working for you, that you, that you maybe have that conversation with your therapist, maybe even ask them for a different suggestion. No, um, no. Let's see this comment real quick. A bad, uh, From Sasha, a bad therapist or not connect with their, with their patients. So they'd be willing to give you a good recommendation. Oh, actually real quick. I want, no notes like, here. Is this, I don't know if this is on your list or not, Oh sure. but I, I wonder like, how many people go to therapy, like say they don't want to go to therapy because they question how much good it will do. And the reason why I mentioned this is if you look at the comments on that YouTube video about why therapy sucks for men, almost every single comment is a person sharing a personal anecdote of a negative experience they had in therapy. My personal favorite was I went to couples therapy with the girl that I was dating and she was ready for marriage and I wasn't. And the therapist just says, well, then you should just get married. You can always get divorced. <laughs> uh, that was like, I didn't go back. That was an example of a therapist actually giving advice and maybe potentially lousy advice. Which is I don't why think I, that's potentially lousy. I, I, a lot of therapy, well, an example of that happening. And in, in, in this example, that was that bad advice happening. Um but again, a lot of therapists don't want to actually give advice. They just want to create a platform for you to talk. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, I can say personally, so also about eight years ago, um, I, like the, the girl that I was dating at the time was in therapy, and she asked me if I wanted to go to one of her therapy sessions. I was like, all right, fine. And went there, and we talked about some stuff, and literally nothing happened. Nothing changed whatsoever. Nothing changed for the positive. I think you have. And I was like, this was useless. Like, like, why did I even come? Why, why, why am I here? It's like being hypnotized. You have to want. <laughs> you have well, to want it to It's like I actually like said some things that, and like, I, like I brought up some points, and, and like the therapist even agreed with me, and like she didn't do shit about it. Yeah, I am not a big fan of therapy. I spent a lot of time in therapy as a as a younger kid uh a child of a, a deceased parent and uh a lot of it i just saw through and just thought this was just 
funny stuff. There were some good therapists, but the vast majority of them were just, you know, they're trying to be helpful people, but it was just, they weren't good at it. And oh, here's it, another it, point about like couples therapy, which, which the, it was brought up on the video, but I think is worth mentioning is like men going into couples therapy feel like they're just getting ganged up on and are outgunned. Well, because you have two people that are good at talking about feelings that are, that are, that come equipped with ammunition and they know it's like when you tell me you want to play some type of board game or something with me and I don't know, I've never played the game. So you give me a quick once over and then kick my ass 30 times in a row. Yeah. Like, like, wow, you really suck at this, this board game. Because I don't have fucking play. My sister does that. My sister loves bringing up uh, games and there's some of them can be fun, but they're games that she's familiar with. So then she introduces me to the game and then kicks my ass. Usually she goes easy for like the first round. And then you know, two or three rounds in, she's just kicking my ass so much. I'm like, this isn't this isn't fun. But it also wouldn't be fun if she just went easy on me and it wouldn't be productive. Yeah, but that's how men feel when they're going to couples therapy is they feel like the therapist is going to be taking the chick's <laughs> side. And they also just don't have the tools to navigate this space. Because the, even if the therapist is male, he's trained to like he's trained in like this kind of female centric environment. And so like the entire experience is a more female leaning thing. And so men going and be like, I, this, how, how am I going to get anything out of this? When like, I can't articulate anything. And when I do articulate something, it's fucking wrong. <laughs> and painful. <laughs> you're digging, because you're digging deep. Yeah. You're digging really deep, thinking you're in touch with your, the depths of your emotions. When, when realistically it's just a knife and a, and a gunfight. Yup. Um, all right. On that note, let's hit Sasha's comment about like future casts. You can't see the YouTube comments. Okay. So Sasha, Sasha says, Hey, can you guys do an episode on reproductive coercion? There's been an increase in reproductive coercion since Roe v. Wade being overturned. And most people who are not, uh, like most people who are not in relationships with domestic violence are unaware their partner baby trapping them on purpose because there's no warning signs. Mm. So, like the idea of like getting a, a a chick pregnant so that she can't leave you, and now that like abortion has been severely restricted in a number of states, yeah. it's more and more difficult for these women to be able to have any kind of an out. But that goes both ways. Also, women do that to men. Um, I wonder how. I wonder. It would be really difficult to measure, like. How how often do women purposely get on pregnant to keep the man, and how often how many times do men try and get the woman pregnant to keep the woman? I wonder. The the issue oh. is sourcing the data. It's just not it's not reported. Well, yeah, it would be really difficult to get the data. You'd have to do the the sample size would have to be enormous and and. But also, it's like, how would you conduct that study? Like yeah, feasibly, creating. how would you measure? Yeah, that's 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 why it would be it would be tough. Um, that's an episode that we don't have much content on, but I would be interested in having that, that discussion. Well, what we could do is we could make that part of a larger discussion of like, it's been a year and a half since Roe v. Wade was overturned. How deeply to shit have things gone in various places? Let's have that conversation off air. And, uh, and I'd like to analyze that stuff. But, uh, on that note, I want to thank you guys for joining us enjoying some drinks with me and James. And uh, I guess we will see you 
next time, the answer to the bar trivia, uh, we will make sure that we have that on board for next time as well. Thank you guys for joining. James, you stay on for a minute. I will yep. answer your burning question. Adios, everybody. All right, that concludes this episode. What do you think? Do you agree with our case against therapy? Um, or are you still a fan, bar none, for all therapy? Let me know in the comments. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.